0: At long last, we are through the journey to the cross, through the other side now. The resurrection has happened. We saw a couple of weeks ago that um, he had appeared to Mary Magdalene that Peter and John had raced to the tomb and found the tomb empty. But that wasn't enough. An empty tomb is not enough. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. Christianity is the religion that promotes the resurrection. No resurrection, no Christianity. An empty tomb is just an empty tomb. So as we go into Luke, chapter 24, and the title of the the passage is often said, The Road to Emmaus. We'll find that Emmaus is a village about seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. This is the third day. He died on Friday evening just before sundown. The Passover had started. The resurrection had happened on the Sunday morning. This is that day. And how quickly things had changed for the people. We need to put ourselves into the story and think what it must have been like for them in experiencing all their hopes, all their dreams, all their ambitions fallen apart. sometimes that is what happens in our life. That's one of the reasons why a passage like this is so so important. It's one of my favorite passages in in the Bible because it there is such depth here and such an encouragement and also a rebuke to all of us and by that I mean it's it's actually saying to us, Are you going to live up to what actually you have in your hand? Are you as an individual going to live up to what you already know? Let's start at verse 13. Now that same day, so this is the Sunday morning, two of them, or Sunday afternoon, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. We're going to find out that these guys are utterly dejected. Some of us have been there. Utterly dejected. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Well, the everything that had happened, what would that look like to them? Let's do an overview of what disciples would have seen for the three years they'd walked with Jesus. It's so important for us to grasp what, what they're discussing. They had seen this man come onto the scene and challenge the religious authorities of the day. They had seen him do miracles so frequently. He had healed leprosy. He had given sight to the blind. He'd fed thousands of people. And you you know, you imagine being part of something like that. You imagine being there when all this is happening. Brackets, you are. You already are part of the story. And don't lose sight of that. You have a part to play for all those things. I'll, I'll mention it. I wasn't going to, but I, I just feel appropriate. On Friday, we sat, there was about 10 of us sat downstairs on Friday. Some of you are in the room. And I was blown away. And for me to be blown away, it takes quite a bit. You know? And that's not being big-headed. I just walk constantly in God's blessing. But I was blown away by this young, tall, good-looking... I've already gone off the guy... I had hair, it's getting worse. But he just loved and oozed Jesus. And he spoke about a church dealing in millions of pounds worth of stuff. Overseed aid, meeting presidents, videos with lorries, articulated lorries, boys with toys, the whole shooting match. Then he just casually throws in that somebody bought them an aircraft hanger as you do. And then it was all full, as it is. And the more they give away, the more they get, etc. And then he had me acting, which is never a good thing, but I thought I played my part quite well. That was an opportunity. Oh, you weren't there. That was an opportunity. Oh, some of them will give me the... Yeah, fairly average. Well, I was blind. But it was in the presence of miracles. And it was all because of our Jesus. Because we got a resurrected Jesus. They don't know it yet. You do, and that should do something to our behaviour. It was brilliant on Friday, and that's the only word I would describe. Not because, actually, of him, but because of all what he's saying. And then he threw the carrot out into the room and said, how big is the church that he goes to? 25 people. 25 people. All the excuses that actually everyone had in the room went out the window at that line. God can do that with 25 people. And we talked about Gideon. And if you know Gideon, Gideon mastered an army or mustered an army. And God said, no, that's too many. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. And then we're down to 300. And now if you win, you'll know it's me. He loves that stuff. He loves that stuff. You want to be part of Gideon's army. But they don't know this yet. But they actually should have known about Gideon, to be fair to them. So they'd walked with him, they'd seen all these things, and then things had not turned out how they thought they should turn out. That is a lesson for everyone. Right? When things don't turn out how you think they should turn out, maybe, just maybe, he's still in control. Maybe all along that it will turn out how we maybe want it to turn out as well. We've just got to get through. And as they talked and discussed, and that word discussed in the original, the really heated debate, they're really struggling. How do we reconcile all of that with what we saw on Friday? This man naked and nailed to a cross, when he should have not have done that. That's not what should have happened. And they discussed it with each other, and Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. That's what he does. They should never have left Jerusalem. No one said leave Jerusalem. They're going away from the place they should have been in. So what does he do? He goes and fetches them. Do you know that's what he does with us? When you start walking down the wrong road, guess who's actually coming with you? I've been down my own road to Emmaus. And then you suddenly realise, oh, I haven't left him. You can't leave him. You're his child. He's there with you all the time. We'll find actually sometimes... He's there and you don't see him. So Jesus brackets himself. Not another Jesus. Not an angel looking like Jesus. But Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. I wonder why. Why would God keep his children from recognising them? You shouldn't read that passage and not actually ask that question. Maybe. Maybe. It's a theory, and it's as good as any. But the reality is, they didn't see who he was. Neither did Mary, by the way. When he appeared to Mary on that morning, she didn't see him. It wasn't until actually he spoke that she then recognised who it was. She thought he was the gardener. Move on. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still like this. On the road to Emmaus, sad and downcast, my world has imploded. One of them, named Cleopas, we don't know anything more about this guy by the way. He's just one of them. Notice he's not a, an apostle, he's a disciple. He's like you and me. I'm glad he's not an apostle. I want a disciple to experience something. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Actually, he's the only one that knows. Isn't he? Imagine your name being in lights and you've just asked Jesus, don't you know what's happening? Oh dear, is that going in the Bible? <laughs> dear, I mean, he must have got the mickey taken out. It's somewhat wicked. What things? Um, what things? What things? Why are you sad? Why are you leaving Jerusalem? Why are you turning your back on it? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then they gave a description. And this is where we go wrong. We can give a description of Jesus, but we often give the incomplete description of Jesus. And this is their mistake. He was a prophet. Tick. He was powerful in word and deed. Tick. They'd seen those things. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Notice it was not the Romans, according to them. It was their fault. The chief priests, the religious rulers, they're the ones that were guilty. And that will be picked up in in Acts. Move on. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Hope. This type of hope. We'd hoped it would work out how we imagined it was. If Michelle was here, I would would ask her the question, what does the word redeem mean? So I'll ask you the question. I know she's been studying it. What does redeem mean? Yes, thank you and thank you. Two gold stars for two ladies in the room. Well done, Sam, and well done, Bev. Something that you buy back, and Bev put on the, the caveat at a price. Let me say this to begin with as well. You only buy back something you own. I can't go down to the pawn shop and buy something that belongs to somebody else. You redeem something that you actually own. And there's a price. So their view of... Who Jesus they thought was going to be. Was the one that was going to redeem the country. The nation itself. And that was their mistake. I wonder what mistakes we have of Jesus. When they were looking through their filter. Their mind. Everything that they saw. Centred on Israel. And for them to actually think of Messiah. It was first of all. He would come in and kick out the Romans he would get the country that was occupied free again. That's what David had done. He'd defeated people that were um, attacking Israel. He defeated the Philistin- Philistines. And so they expected their saviour to come and do that. And then because this Jesus could feed people, there would be plenty of food and it would be party time and you wouldn't have to work and do all those things. And it would be just celebration. And then they might actually sort out the religious system that was so corrupt and, and um, oppressive. And that, would, that was their understanding of what redemption was. But that's not his understanding of what redemption was. What's his understanding of what redemption is? Yes. You see, if he'd freed Israel, that's all he would have done. It wouldn't have done you any good today, sat in this room. You'd have still been trapped in sin like I am, or was. But he actually redeemed us from sin. Not just Israel, but his children. So they're expecting one thing and they get another. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And if you look in the Old Testament, it's Passover week. Passover week is a week of celebration. In Jerusalem, it's probably party time. They're remembering what Passover was and how the, um, their God had freed the nation from Egypt, from the slave market, from the bondage, the oppression they were under. And that's worth celebrating. One of the things that I insist on you doing, that is insist with a big capital I, is learning to celebrate celebrate things in your own life celebrate what happens in other Christians lives celebrate what God is doing it doesn't matter who he's doing it in that's why on Friday I was buzzing our God is at work doesn't matter whether it's at work here or there celebrate now then we have a little pop at the women In addition, some of our women amazed us. Oh, don't they just do that? Where's the guys? There's not many of us, is it? Or on this side, look. Do the women amaze you? Some of them are in the room, so, you know, yes might be good. He says no. (laughs) Shocked. Where would church be without women? In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. I wonder what the guys were doing. Mm, In bed, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, playing golf, something like that, yeah. But they didn't find his body. Well, that doesn't matter, because they're just women. Probably went to the wrong place. That was a joke, okay, just for the record. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. But they're just women, aren't they? They're just women. You don't have to believe them guys, do you? Do you? Oh, good. Okay, Good recovery from Graham in the corner. Do you know what? What what they could have done at that moment, they could have looked at the scriptures and said, this is what he talked about. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. But do you know they didn't do that? They didn't turn to what was already said in the Bible. Do you know you do that sometimes? Do you know that's what your main problem is? That actually we don't turn to the Bible. And when we don't turn to the Bible, we discuss and we debate, and we find people to agree with our theories, and then we we'll go on a journey. And then he actually has to come and fetch us back again. And say, no... Why are you going away? Let's look what happens. Move it on. And some of our companions, well we know that's Peter and we know that's John. They went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. Well, wonder of wonders. They've gone to the right tomb and it's empty. But they did not see Jesus. They didn't see him. So they came back what jesus says and you don't want him to say this to you or me how foolish you are not very seeker friendly from jesus he's not pulling any punches is he and do you know what if you study this passage if he says we are foolish that means they did not have to be foolish that's a very unfair comment from him and given the fact that he's never unfair That means that they did not have to be on that road. They could have worked something out to stop them actually misunderstanding what was happening. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. If you knew your word, if you knew your Old Testament, then actually why are you walking away? Why are you actually behaving as though the world has fallen apart? I cannot overemphasize the importance of this book. And yes, yet again, I am imploring you to read it. Listen to it. Get it on CD. Eat it. Eat it. Serve it up on your dinner plates. Let it become part of you. Live it. January is always a good time for Christians to say, I know, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Let me know if you do that, because in a year's time I am coming knocking. And I will be asking the question. And if you're not saying that, then I suggest you do. Make a decision and determine to do it. Because if you don't, you'll be on the road to Emmaus at some point. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe. Let's look at the word believe. I'll use one of my favourite words. When I believe something, what do I do? Ah, there she is. She's journeyed so many years. Bless her little cotton socks. Go on, shout it out, Bev. Choose. It's just a choice. It is a decision that I have made in the past. Do you know what? I'm just going to take it as it's written. Even the difficult bits. I choose to believe. And having having then made that decision, I don't revisit that. I pick it up and I read it and I believe it. Do you know there's freedom in that? I don't have to debate with it. I just read it. Just read it. Believe it. Live it. And then he gives them a Bible study. You see, the interesting thing for Jesus is you've got two guys walking away downcast sad devastated about to make bad choices and what does he do he does a bible study isn't that great think about that he doesn't come and put an arm around them he doesn't pray with them on this occasion he says let's do a bible study Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Actually, do you know what, guys? You know your Bible, what we would call our Bible. You know it, and actually it's already told you in there. That everything that's just happened, that you have seen with your own eyes, was already written about. But the trouble is, you've read it and you haven't believed it. You've either read it, you've forgot it, you've read it, not believed it, read it, not understood it, but it was there for you to do. And do not make the mistake of thinking he's got half a dozen scrolls under his arm. As though he's walking along the road. He's talking to these people that they already know the scriptures. They already know the passages he's about to say. I wonder if I could do that with you in the room today. Could you take your Old Testament. Your Old Testament. And do a Bible study. To prove Jesus is Messiah. Nod at me if you can. Because I'm asking you. There's some very still heads in the room. This is very disturbing. Some are going not like this. Some know that if I say yes. Then you'll be doing the Bible study on Tuesday. (laughs) So some of you are like this. Fixed. You should be able to. You must be able to. Because they did. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses. That's like the first five books of the Bible, by the way. That's your starting point if you want to prove Jesus is is Messiah. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Even the old prophets. Yes. He explained to them what was said. And in the Greek, this word means what? All. All scripture even the genealogies even those long passages in chronicles that no one ever gets through are important oh and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself it tells one story and it's all about him all about him And you need to know that story. So what about the ones who don't read a lot? I like to read. Well, if you're not a very good reader, then it's even more important that you come to Bible study, that you come to church, because it's in this sort of setting that you will get your understanding. But you know what? We do not lack for Bibles in this country. if I went round the room some of you have got more than one Bible haven't you Kenneth Davison in your possession we have different translations we have commentaries we have literal translations we have paraphrased translations we have umpteen Bibles and they are gathering dust on our shelves can I urge you can I urge you blow some dust off Blow some cobwebs out and if you're not good at reading get it on an app. listen to it. play it in the car. Faith comes by hearing you know it by hearing the word of God Romans chapter 10 verse 17. you need faith to get through this life. young and old there's no excuse. so he takes them through the scriptures, and as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as though he were going further. And he will do that to you and me. He, they're stopping and he's going to go on. And sometimes it's in your life and it's continuing. But do you know what? Unless you invite him, he will keep going. Speak to him in the morning. Ask him to share your day. Ask him to share your journey. And then when you do that, this is what happens. Look what happens. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us. Stay with us. How about starting off your day? Jesus, just come and share your day with me. He wants to, and he will respond to that. Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. So they've walked about seven miles, let's say two miles an hour. Let's say it's getting towards six o'clock, it's twilight again. Near the end of the third day. This isn't the communion service, so don't get confused with this. This is Israelite hospitality. The host would feed and give thanks to God for the food. Look what happens. When he was at the table, he takes the role of the host now. When he was at the table with him, he took the bread and he gave thanks, broke it in and began to give it to them. Their eyes are open. How many times, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, how many times do you experience this? It all looks dark and then something happens. I'm, oh, I've got it now. The penny goes from here to here and then actually everything's all right again. It's oh oh sorry I've been looking at it wrong, and suddenly I've got your perspective on it, and it's all right. It's all right. Did they see the nails, prints on on his wrists as he as he lifted it up to heaven, or was it his voice? Did they cast their mind back to when he was on a mountainside and took some loaves and fishes off a little boy, and just gave thanks to God, and they were there and they remembered. Because we need to remember. We so desperately need to remember. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And then he disappeared. Well. Jesus. I see you. And then you've gone again. Did they stay? Not at all. That was enough. That one touch. And, and I know many in the room. Where they've had one touch. And everything just changes in a moment. We sing it, don't we? Just one touch from the king. And you know what? They just experienced that. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? Imagine the word of God teaching the word of God. That's got to be some Bible study. See this page? I wrote that. Uh, he thinks he wrote that but I told him what to write thousands of years ahead of it happening actually Uh, I wrote that because actually I know you guys needed that we're going to look at some of the passages that he must have referred to I'm absolutely positive he would have referred to some of these what a bible study, what a change and their their hearts burned within them But to do this, they must have known the passages. I cannot emphasize that so much. He didn't get a scroll out and said, turn to page 45 in the Bible or Isaiah 53 or whatever, because that actually wasn't tabled like that in those days. There's one of the scrolls in Isaiah that was 60-odd feet long. So I can't imagine him walking down to Reyes with a big bunch of scrolls under his arm. He's talking to them about what they already know. They just do not believe it at this moment. When you've had an encounter with Jesus, and this is what this guy was doing on Friday, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. You've got to talk about it. So one of the things that church is about is giving up-to-date testimony, confirming that Jesus is alive, confirming that he's at work, confirming that actually he's still in control. No matter what. Confirming that actually he loves you so much. And we forget. So they burst into the room and they're saying, It's true! What the women had said, by the way. I wonder what they went. Yes! Because they couldn't give testimony. They're just ladies. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Simon. We find that in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 15. Simon, who had denied Christ, needed his own personal appearance. That must have been a conversation. There's nothing, we don't know what was said. But I rather think, maybe Jesus put his arm around him and said, Simon, told you. Didn't surprise me, surprised you. Three times, I was waiting for that cock to crow. Actually grew it from an egg, just so it would get to Jerusalem in time to crow. And it did, and you did. Now get on your feet start again. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke bread. One encounter with Jesus changes everything. One moment of time when the blinkers come off and you know that you know that you know changes everything. I urge you, if you have not had that encounter, then you ask him to give you that encounter. I urge you just to make a decision to believe. I can give you lots of reasons why you should, but ultimately, do you know what? You make a decision and you just choose to believe. We're going to look at some of the passages that I think Jesus would have started on his Bible study, just to round it all up. I think he would have gone into Genesis chapter 3. He would have told them about the fall of man and how actually, as as judgment is given out, he says these words to the serpent. You'll strike the heel, but he'll crush your head. In other words, Satan, you're going to try and destroy the saviour of the world, but all you'll ever do is wound him. All you will ever do is wound him, and in wounding him, actually victory will come. And he would have given them inside. And then he would have gone on to this passage. What's the next one? Is it Genesis 22? You should know this story inside out if you're a believer for any length of time. This is the story of Abraham. And actually Abraham has a son called Isaac. And God says one day, go and sacrifice your son. How shocking that that would be. How pagan that would be. To sacrifice your son. But as we follow the story through, we find that Abraham is a man of faith. And Abraham either reasons that he will raise Isaac from the dead, or actually, God will provide another sacrifice. And that's exactly what he did. On that mountain, at just the right moment, we find in that story, in Genesis 22... That God provided the sacrifice. That Abraham did not have to sacrifice his own son. That's a mirror image of Calvary. You should read your Old Testament looking for Jesus in those passages. And in doing so, recognize this. Written thousands of years ahead of that happening. What's the next one? will be in Exodus. We'll probably be at the Passover at a a guess, are we? Exodus chapter 12. The Passover. The very celebration that they are doing and have done was the Passover lamb. When the blood was painted on the door lintels and the posts that God would, would see the blood on Passover. All the lambs that were sacrificed on Passover day and of course John the Baptist had actually declared to them. This is the Lamb of God. The one who takes away the sins of the world. Written. Minimum. Minimum. 1700 years. 1500 years ahead of Jesus. You should know that story. And it's application. Inside out. And you should know it's foretelling of the sacrifice. Do you know it? Have you read it? Next one. Can you imagine on this road when he's doing this? When he's saying to them, come on, you, you've you been to synagogue, you know these stories. Can you not see me in the story? Numbers 21. It's quoted in John's Gospel when actually Jesus himself speaks to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he says, just as Moses lifted up this snake... In the desert. Do you know the people were moaning? The people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses. Every time you speak against God. God hears. God hears all the time. Everything we say. Every word that we actually utter. Our God hears. They forgot all the miracles. That God had done to get them into that place. And then In their mistaken understanding, they think God's abandoned them. Do you know we do that sometimes? We forget we've been saved, and then things go wrong, and we think God's abandoned us. That's not right. So they ask this question, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Is that the God? Do you know I had a conversation with Bever a couple of weeks ago, and I said... One of the secrets of the Christian walk for stability is stop looking at events and concentrate on the character of God. Do you remember we, we sat downstairs and did that? You, if you learn what the character of God is, it flattens them out. Do I understand everything? No. Do I care? No, actually. It's not my job to understand everything. But when I look at the character, this is what I see. God loves me. That'll do. That actually is enough. God Loves me. He'll work the details out. They're going on events. There's no bread. Do you know we didn't have any bread the other night? And I didn't get divorced. I didn't. I didn't get angry. I went to the freezer. And there was some bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Really? Really? Detesting what God has provided, miraculously. How does God feel when we say things like that? Oh, we wouldn't do that. Oh, I detest this. Do you know what we've started doing as a couple? And we love it. We start giving thanks all the time for our house. We love our home, don't we? Because we see God giving us this home. And, and the more we give thanks, I find myself, more, the more I love it. Isn't it weird? And and that's just how life is. Because I believe God did give us the house. The right house. It's just amazing how, how this stuff works. There's a time to give thanks in your life. If we, we should be the most thankful people ever. I mean as individuals and as a church. Do you know God is doing amazing things in this little church? Amazing things. We should be just giving thanks. All it's okay, he said didn't she? Does anyone want just give a thanks in a prayer? We should all. You know, you, you, we, I shouldn't be preaching now. We should still be praying. That's the reality. If we believe this stuff, the reality is I shouldn't even have started yet. Let it come out. Move it on. Look what happens. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people. Oh, ouch! And many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And guess what? Move it on. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake. How, un- how unusual that is. Make a snake. Put it on the pole. Anyone who is bitten can look it in and live. Can you imagine the debate? Oh, I've been bit. I don't fancy looking at a snake. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to look at a snake on a stick. I've got one round my leg. Alright, then you'll die. Make a decision. Do you want to look at the snake? Live. Do you want to look at the snake? Live. Do you want to not look at the snake? Die. That's what he's doing today. Do you want to look at me? Do you want to believe what I've done? Live. Just make a decision. It's your choice. I've done it. Moses made a bronze snake and put it on the pole when anyone was bitten by a snake and they looked, not their wife, not their children, not their neighbour, when they looked, then actually they lived. If you break that down, basically, and in 1 John, he speaks about the venom of sin being drained from you. Catheterised. As it takes the poison out of you. And that's what sin is. Sin is poisonous to people and it needs draining. And the only way to drain it is to look at Jesus. Make a decision and look at him. A couple more just to show you. Jesus in the Old Testament. Move it on. Perhaps he got to what? Psalm twenty two is it next? Didn't they hear these voices, this this cried from the cross just a couple of days early? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you saf- so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? He uttered those words on the cross. And they probably heard it. Written in the Psalms. Two more. We got Daniel chapter 9? No, Zechariah. I've deleted 9 then. If we'd have gone to Jan- Daniel chapter 9. You would see that it speaks about a time when Messiah would come. That time was that week to Israel. That Passover. And if you work out the chronology of that time, it's exactly to that day. Foretold? Well the religious rulers should have been expecting him that week. We'll end with this one Zechariah, one of the Old Testament prophets. I'm sure everyone has read Zechariah. Mm, some of you not for a while okay. and I will pour out on the house of David on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication they will look on me the one they have pierced isn't that what they done a couple of days earlier pierced him crucified him and I'm sure as he went along doing his bible study he pointed to passage after passage after passage and slowly they got the understanding. Let me wrap it up. I cannot, once again, overemphasize this. If you don't read it, it is like no other book in the world. If you do not read it, when he comes to you and speaks from it, which is what he often does, you won't hear the words you need to hear. You will keep walking. I urge you to make a commitment. And with his help, carry it out. Why don't you commit to reading the Bible through? This year. Let 2016 be a year where you're just going to do it. If you need help with it, speak to me. I'll give you a Bible reading plan. And I'll even do this for you. I'll make me your accountability that means i'll be on you like a rash nicely okay you like that sam yeah Yeah, good i'll be on them like a rash if they say to me alan i'm going to read such and such then i make a little note on my phone and it comes up and i say have you done what you said you would do and i won't go away i'll be like the bad penny that keeps nagging Well, let me say this, and i close with this. Do you know what? When we do this stuff, God loves it. That actually you'll benefit from it. You. And if you've read it before, right? Let's suppose you've read it right the way through two or three times. So what? Do it again. So that's everyone in the room starting with me. Right? You owe me accountable, and every one of you in this room can say to me on a regular basis... How's your Bible reading? How are you doing regarding your Bible reading? Not Bible study for sermons or Bible studies. How are you doing regarding your Bible study? I'm asking you to make me accountable to you. There's two ways. Can we say amen? All right. We'll get the two degrees.